Hello and welcome to the Spectator Books podcast. I'm Sam Leith, literary editor of Spectator, and this week we're doing something quite unusual in that we have four guests, so it might get a bit raucous. The guests we have this week are the QI Elves and the hosts of the hit podcast No Such Thing as a Fish, and they're here to talk about their new book, which is called The Book of the Year, a cunning sales ploy. Um, <laughs> and they are not, in fact, elves. This isn't a sort of Will Ferrell spin-off. They are James Harkin, Andrew Hunter-Murray, Anna Patashinsky, I got that right a second ago, and Dan Schreiber. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hi. Now, this is called The Book of the Year, and it it's going to be very hard to talk about, because normally if I talk about a kind of novelist or you know a historian, we've got... A particular single theme and the only theme that runs through your book is quite interesting it begins with someone giving mouth-to-mouth resuscitation to an aardvark <laughs> and ends with a South American weevil um, <laughs> so looking back on 2017 apart from aardvarks and weevils what what themes emerge well I th- the book is in A to Z so which is why it begins with aardvark and it ends with this weevil which begins with ZZY I think um, but I think there are a lot of letters which we struggled with, so Q and X, for instance, but we were really happy when there was some xylophone news this year, mm. weren't we? What was the xylophone news? It was uh, crime-related, wasn't it? Yeah, some guy in America stole a xylophone, which was a very exciting day for us. <laughs> <laughs> James came running in the office going, you're not going to believe that there's xylophone news. And we all cheered, and then when it gets better, there's two bits of xylophone news. So yeah, we, that's a very strong chapter now. But so. themes, I think, generally, there's been Trump, there's been Brexit, there's been Russian investigations, but we're not always looking in that direction, are we, Dan? The idea behind the book was so much interesting stuff happens each year, and... When we do the podcast, you do notice that a lot of the stuff you end up talking about is from the year, but it's timeless because it's discoveries about alligators and the thing that we've discovered they've been doing since they've been alligators. So it's not a 2017 news story. It's really a, a discovery about... you know, the, Alligators haven't just changed their behavior. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So we, we realize that actually every year on Earth is just absolutely covered in incredible news stories that never get the light of day because of these bigger stories like Trump and, as James says, the Russian investigations and so on. So, um, no, hold on a second. I want to know what the alligators did. Oh, in this case, um, well, there's, we've got a crocodile story actually in this one. Yeah. But that was to... that was less what a crocodile did and more what someone did with a crocodile, right? Yeah. This was a guy who jumped into the mouth of a crocodile in order to impress a woman yes. uh, in Australia. And that's not been happening since the beginning of a crocodile existence. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I bet it's been happening since the beginning of human existence. I bet men yeah. have been jumping into crocodile-infested waters to well, impress women. Here, here's right. one. Darwin's principle. <laughs> <laughs> here's one. In the Aardvark article right at the beginning, it was only this year that we have actual solid evidence, not anecdotal evidence, um, on camera that Aardvarks drink. And we didn't know that. As, a, as an official scientific thing, we we thought they got their, their water... Yeah, exactly. But they were found drinking out of puddles, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, And also, in the same year, this year, researchers in Australia found that koalas have been drinking out of puddles for the first time, possibly due to climate change, because they can't get the water out of the eucalyptus like they used to. It's a very bad year for puddles, basically. If you're a puddle, you've got two new threats. But there there is news in it, which is also not about crocodiles, aardvarks, or weevils. There's a lot of human-based news, too. And we don't totally avoid the Trump-Russia investigation (laughs) Brexit theme. In fact, Trump does rise a lot. But it's more the kind of more left-field stuff that you might not have known about it, like 
So, for instance, we uh, have an entry on the Russia investigation in which we talk about the fact that James Comey, who's the FBI director at the time, tried to, yeah, yeah. former ex, tried to hide from Donald Trump by disguising himself by standing in front of a curtain in the White House. He's something like six foot eight, isn't he? Yes. Yes. Yeah, and I think Anna pointed out that anyone who stands in front of a curtain to hide from someone is not really quite <laughs> doing it right. He's not FBI director material. <laughs> I'm glad he's out. And when he found out that he was being fired, he thought it was a practical joke. He thought he was being pranked. He was delivering a speech, I think, to a group of his people, and it was sort of being reported behind him. And he yeah. was like, oh, great gag, guys. What's it? April Fool's <laughs> today? What's going on? And then turns out it was just real news. And has he, he's now, I know, he, he's kind of joined Twitter, and he's now trolling Trump with these quotes from Reinhold Niebuhr, isn't he? No he, way. Yes. Wasn't that, so it was a sort of anonymous account in that he didn't use his real name, and then he put a picture up of this himself. Former and he got underscore BU or something. Yeah, really? that's right. Nice. Wow. Yeah, very interesting wow. guy. And the guy who, so we've just had in the news that Russian investigation that's been going on, um, they have now arrested, or someone's come forward and admitted to uh, being guilty to it. And the guy investigating yeah, mm. um, the guy investigating it all, his nickname is Bobby Three Sticks, I think. Is that right? Yeah, because he's Bobby, he's a third Bobby in a line of Bobbies, is it isn't Robert he? Mueller Robert Mueller III. The third, yeah. 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 Otherwise known as Bobby Three Sticks. So he's the man in charge of that's trying to take good. down the Trump presidency. It's <laughs> <laughs> those little nuggets, isn't it? Chicago. So we like to read the big stories as well, but then we like to find the little nuggets. Absolutely mind-boggling entry you had on the size of Trump's towers. Yeah, Yeah. all, all of which have. You know, half the floors of parking garage. Yeah, yeah, so he opened a new one, and he, he claimed it had, I think, 74 floors, and it's got 68, exactly as you say, because it's all underground. And it, in buildings, it turns out that it's not really the done thing to include all the other possible floors and, you know, mezzanines and things like that. And so, oh, well, there's another story right there. Well, <laughs> you describe somebody having, having an office on the 66th floor of a kind of... That's his room. Yeah. I think he supposedly lives on the 66th floor of a 58-story building. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that was, so the Trump stuff was saying before, we obviously were trying to get away from the dominating headline stuff of Trump, but underneath all that stuff of, you know, his bold claims and stuff. And Andy did an article on the inauguration and there were things that in the inauguration you had no idea about, like you weren't allowed to bring a banana if it was not sliced into the inauguration. They confiscated bananas of people uh, because I guess they thought they might be a weapon. Yeah, unless sliced. Yeah, Beef ravioli, that was another big no-no at the inauguration. They confiscated two tins of beef ravioli. <laughs> any any large umbrellas? I mean, I guess you can see the point behind that. But you would have thought if not so many people turned up. Yeah. yeah. Turned away. They're all carrying <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> What are we going to eat? Right. Actually, I think there was. I think it was pretty much the biggest inauguration ever. Period. Was it? <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he, sa- he said 1.5 million, but the scientists say between 300,000 and 600,000. Although that's quite a big margin of error, isn't it? Yeah. And there was a great one because Sean Spicer then went on to the Emmys when they were doing it, and I believe it was who hosted Stephen Colbert that year. I can't remember who it was, but um, this year. Brought, yeah. Sorry, this year they brought Sean. <laughs> Spicer out and he said this is the most successful Emmys ever period and James found out that actually it's the joint lowest rated Emmys uh, of any in its history what was that other Sean Spicer thing that you found Anna which one there are so many um oh the fridge Oh, right, there's Sean Spicer, so uh, another big political figure from the year. The main headline story we had on him is that it came out when he left the White House that he'd stolen a mini-fridge from his junior staffers 
Did you see that? So his jun- no. some of his junior staffers, when he came into office in January, he went into his junior staffers' staff room and he saw they had a mini fridge. And so he said, can you give me that, please? And they said no. And so he waited till they'd all left the office. In the dead of night, he snuck back in there and he was seen stumbling down the White House driveway carrying this mini fridge <laughs> on his back. You assume that, <laughs> given what he was doing... He must have been quite well remunerated. Oh, could he not afford a mini fridge? Uh, not just very tight budgets, apparently, in his department. <laughs> yeah, sort of, sort of cinnamon. What is it? Cinnamon chewing gum. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Was it? He, he goes chew- through like he- thirty packs a day or something. Th- I think he? I think it's pieces. I think thirty packs. No, it's I think th- it's thirty-five pieces every morning before noon. He chews and uh, yeah. swallows thirty-five what? pieces. Yeah, and he said he's spoken to his doctors and he's been assured that this is not a problem. So yeah. <laughs> the other, the only oh, other thing. The last time he had a poo. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the only other thing I can remember about um, Sean Spicer in this book is that his nickname when he was at college was Sean Sphincter. Yes. Uh, or I'm not sure if it was a nickname or something he was called once. It was, a, it was, yeah, it was printed about him in a college newspaper. But I bet uh, once it was printed, it became his nickname. Yeah. yeah. That, that once was a pretty damning response. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we found a lot of nickname stuff this year, so that was really fun. Andy found out that the Queen's nickname is Gary. That's what she's yeah. uh, called by all the members Prince of the... Uh, well, and William and all... Yeah. Because yeah, uh, the reason being William. William, when he was a toddler, couldn't pronounce Grammy, so he called her Gary instead, and apparently it stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I just called Gary. Royal correspondents spent years trying to find this. <laughs> <laughs> what other royal news is there? there was, well, the other nickname was um, Camilla's nickname turned out to be the Growler when she was at school, uh, because she was yeah. a terrible singer, apparently. Yeah. Oh, um, we Prince covered Philip. Prince Philip's retirement yeah. because the people who are most upset that he's retired are people who live on a small Vanuatu island, aren't they? Yeah. Where, where, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They think he's God, and now he won't come and visit them. But I think the reason, actually, that he's maybe avoided visiting them is that isn't it traditional that they're going to have to? What is it? They'll have to kill if, the Queen if. Well, if he is observed by the Queen publicly observed drinking the local brew called Carver, if she sees him doing it because he's a god, that's such a such an offence against the godhead that she would have to be executed by a, a blow to the skull from a vegetable root. Yeah. Yes. Immediately. I mean, it's not probably the only reason he hasn't visited, but um, <laughs> it's convincing. Yeah. Why? I thought it's traditional for, for gods not to visit. I mean, you know, we've been waiting 2,000 years. Well, he sent them a signed postcard, didn't he? Which is... Yeah, he did. Not from our God, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's a little bit controversial. We we should move on to... How on earth do you put something like this together? I mean, among other things, why have you done it alphabetically when it's a book of a year? Mm. And Mm. have you spent all year sort of with your alphabet boxes just going, you know, woohoo, we've signed a friend that's coming in time for deadline? Yeah. And do you divide the work? I mean, you know, is one of you a a nickname specialist and the other (laughs) an entomologist or a theologian, as we've just... The chronological question is quite easy to answer. So it's a book of the year, and you'll notice that we're just at the start of October now, and yet it's been published. So had we done it chronologically, there would have been a marked absence of a couple of months. That's a disappointingly pragmatic. Uh, well, we're pragmatists. But yeah, we basically got together at the start of the year, and we just decided to all put into one shared document the most interesting news we could find. And then in about March, we thought we'd better put this in some kind of order. And we did. Yeah. It came out of our TV show that we did called No Such Thing as the News. And the way that we did that is every week we had one fact each from the news and we would go into a a shared document and put in our favourite facts. And we realised that these documents were quite good and there was a lot of good material in there. So we thought, what if we started on January the 1st and see where we get? 
and by the second or third month of the year it turned out we had quite a lot of material and the A to Z like Hannah says the chronological thing wouldn't quite have worked but you know we could have done it by um, subjects as well mm, couldn't yeah. we but we just like the way it's kind of the way our podcast works where you're flitting from one thing to another all the time and mm. it allowed you then to do things like Australia which appears in many places in the book for Australia C and then we could list all the different places that it pops up and that was really fun when you start playing with the cross-referencing throughout the book oh so it's, it's a book and an index exactly yeah. Yeah. at the same time yeah. so, so we've got things like um, dogs comma hot and then dogs comma not hot yeah yeah, yeah. Um, or, or we have arrests, comma human. The reason we have that is because we actually surprisingly have an in, an entry which is arrest, comma non-human. Because mm. this year, not only were humans arrested, but so was a pigeon, a rubber duck, and a box. So, <laughs> of course, they were. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and are you just literally kind of combing local papers? I mean, do you each just get up and spend an hour a day or two hours a day? All day, yeah. eight hours a day. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. Well, Andy, you're always a, a reader of newspapers, aren't you? Especially. Yeah. Yeah, the four of us. Yeah, he does this thing where he'll read the newspaper, and at the end, we saw him do this last night. He closes the newspaper and he ticks it. On the I didn't. Cover. <laughs> I just <laughs> does a big tick. Done. That was a one-off. I don't have a, a massive collection of ticked newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we have different ways. Like I go through RSS feeds of all the weird newspapers around the world. Olive yeah. Oil Times, yeah. Yeah. particular favourite. There's been a lot of olive oil news this year. So. <laughs> Yeah, I go through international newspapers, uh, so look at all papers around the world because you get a real good range there. Dan looks at his conspiracy theorist updates. Yes, uh, yeah, fourteen times and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and we and also you, you can't discount anything that's been that's sort of so mainstream. I mean, yeah, you know, like interesting stories that are on page nine of the Telegraph won't make it. Um, no, they'll make it. They'll make it. <laughs> yeah, page three. Yeah. But it's, it's yeah. the aim is always to tell you something that someone who's been keeping up with the news reasonably well will not have heard. The aim is always to be right under the surface yeah. of it. It's either a small story that you haven't heard, or it's a small detail about a big story that you might not know. Right. But also, it's really hard to gauge when something has properly exploded as a story. So we'd often discount a story by saying, it's on Twitter right now, everyone's retweeting it, we're seeing it all over Facebook. And then you mention it two months later to the very people, probably, who retweeted it, and say, oh, I remember that story, and they, it's kind of gone, because so much yeah. news has happened yeah. since. So then you go, ah, oh, mm. okay. So we kept we kept those kind of stories in the file, and then you'd suss out whether or not it still felt like a really big story that people remember. So weirdly, the big stories can become a slightly obscure story through time. Yeah. So it's not. I, yeah, we should say when you say, well, we put something that's on page nine in the Telegraph. We definitely would, and we're not going out firsthand mostly, and like lifting up leaves and finding amazing stories under them. It is yeah, journalists are doing an amazing. Yeah. That's not. No, we'd be terrible journalists. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. So I've been told that's why I was fired from the Telegraph. So yeah, I mean, journalists are very good, and they do still dig up these amazing things. And it's really we're kind of collating them and really digging deep to find the stories that haven't been noticed. Yeah, and finding again the connection. So if it's underneath a banner of let's say arrests, you you would start with an amazing arrest story, and you'd think, oh, there must be other incredible arrest stories. Yeah. Or Andy looking at the inauguration, going, sliced bananas weren't allowed. What else wasn't allowed? And that could be the sliced banana thing could be on page one of the Telegraph. It's where you then take your investigation yeah. of other journalists that are appearing on page nine with a similar story yeah. mm -hmm. that we then, yeah, bring those together. But it's, it's really journalists that we... I wonder if kind of rose to admit from a QI, the sort of quite interesting. It does make 
Is it possible for you to come across something that is too interesting? <laughs> <laughs> in, in what way? Like to, to, well, it's, sort of... it's, it's the brief is quite interesting. Isn't oh, it? I mean, uh, quite yeah. obviously seems to be sort of middling. Yeah, it has to be accessible, doesn't it? Really, the furthest we get away from that is we have a quarks entry, yeah, which mm-hmm. is quite difficult to quarks. Ru- yeah, mm-hmm. as in the subatomic, subatomic particles, particles, yeah, and writing that in a way where basically anyone can read it who's not got any background in science but still will find it interesting. That's kind of a difficult thing. And with QI in general, that's a thing that we find most difficult, I think. Yeah. But I think the reason for the quite, it was called Quite Interesting mm. by John Lloyd, the founder and our boss. And I think you're setting your bar too high if you say incredibly interesting. <laughs> so, you know, it's just trying a bit of humility. And... At minimum, quite Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> in the direction of values. Yes. <laughs> Are there any things that you've sort of had to leave out? Well, for space reasons, there is. Um, yes. We all, towards the end of the process, um, had to go on holiday or had to leave the office for certain reasons. And when we came back, our articles were never there anymore. <laughs> <don't Yeah. they? laughs> so we got quite cut happy when people weren't in the office. So, for instance, Andy, you lost your local news oh, article, didn't you? Never play the Edinburgh Festival, it turns out, because by the time you get back, the local news has vanished and <laughs> articles of amusing things spilled on roads this year. Complete, no idea why that that was shocked. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I understand it. <laughs> what was the most amusing thing that was spilt on the road? Oh, now you're really going to test me. Well, well was I, was, oh, I was really upset about this because I was on holiday in Wales at the start of the year and I was driving along with my friend and we were in this massive traffic jam and there was a big lorry in front of us and there was all this stuff in front behind the lorry and in front of our car and we were staring at it going, that looks like spaghetti bolognese. And then, lo and behold, in Andy's stuff spilled on road story months yeah, later... Something like 500 kilos of spag bol all over the road and that was the only story... In the whole book that we really witnessed firsthand yes, actually first happening. Hand. You say you're not a first-hand journalist. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> I'm doing myself down. <laughs> There's a few stories as well that we couldn't get in because, unfortunately, when you look for obscure stuff and it appears overseas, it appears on all these what you think are very um, reputable journalistic websites and stuff of the country, and then you find out actually there is sort of like you know a Daily Express style newspaper fake or whatever. News. Yeah, kind of fake news. And so there were a lot of stories where they were so good. We, we didn't mean that Daily Express, but yeah, no, 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 no. I love your. Uh, I believe in Nibiru, the twelfth planet, uh, will destroy us. The uh, so there was a lot of stories that we weren't able to verify because they were overseas print, and there was nothing like the Telegraph or the Guardian or anything in American newspapers to verify it so we had to sort of just go okay that can't go in now as yeah. much as I want it to yeah. it just might not be true so everything in the book's true you stake oh, your oh no. <laughs> no, no I mean I can confidently say that because I get everything wrong so yeah. just it's, know that if you find something wrong it's probably my contribution it's as true as we could make it yeah, right. yeah. yeah. that's all you can ever do because there's always going to be a novelist saying that in a much much more earnest way <laughs> <laughs> the problem is as well the news changes all the time so as in you think that's a done story and then someone goes actually we found out that that was uh, misreported and it turns out and it's too late done yeah. it's, always, it's always been a relief actually when we've reached the book deadline and then something is revealed later on and it turned out we sort of predicted it correctly or so for instance quite exciting this week I think was the news about Kazakhstan or maybe it was last week now which is filed under Q in the book which was very convenient for us to have an extra Q. I was wondering 
how you'd yes. justify filing Kazakhstan under Q. It's just a different form of transliteration. Well, they changed their alphabet. So there's been a big debate in Kazakhstan as to how, whether they should change the Latin alphabet, and then if they do, how they should spell their name. And it, one of the options is to spell it with a Q, actually. And so they have decided to change the Latin alphabet this week, haven't they, yeah. or last week? And uh, they're going to go with the Q. And they're going with a Q, so it's Kazakhstan. So we're just in time for your publication. Yeah, exactly. You're ahead of the game by <laughs> one month in prediction. And you've also, you've also got a rather kind of tragic language story where there's a, a minor language that's had its transliteration changed. Mm. Is that or- Oromo, I think, Oromoro? Yes. And it. What, it, in Ethiopia? Yeah, in Ethiopia. And yes. it goes. They've changed the A, B, C to... Yes, it's linguistic cleansing. What What is it? The government don't really like the use of this language, even though it's the most widely spoken, but it's not used by the country's elite. And they have announced that the alphabet's going to change order, I think. Yeah, so it's L-A-G it'll start with, isn't it? It's going to be much harder to to write it. For most people, yeah. 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 But this was a language that was outright banned for a long time. But then, because so many people speak it, it became a proper language again. But they're thinking that by changing the alphabet, according to the government, they're going to help people to learn it better. But according to the people who actually speak it, actually this is going to make it much more difficult, and then it will maybe get rid of the language. Yeah, Yeah. so it's trying to phase it out. It's quite a kind of controversial... There's some slight controversy. I feel like we do touch on, we don't avoid controversial subjects, we just don't comment on them, and we try mm. to find a light side or an interesting side or a different side. Yeah, but we definitely, yeah, we never try and get a laugh out of it either. It's sort of, there, no. that's, that's where there's an interesting grey zone for us of, this is a really interesting fact, but in the context of what we do, will this stick out as if we're trying to mock it, or, or for some reason we found it just mildly amusing because it's, you know, just our senses of humour or whatever, and that's where we, with the news, you have to suddenly go, hmm, that's a great fact again, but that just will flip out the context of what we're trying to do here. What we're trying to do with the book is say, we're just a little pocket of people who think that there's amazing stuff going on. We recognise there's a lot of tragedy and all that stuff, but, but we, sh- we think you should also know that this amazing stuff is going on in the background as well. So the sort of tone police is a kind of collective effort. Of yeah. 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 Fantastically bad taste. Yeah. <laughs> I, think we've all, we've all, I think we've all got very bad taste, yeah. Yeah. Between, yeah. but in different areas. So, yeah. you know, we find the middle of the Venn diagram, which is unoccupied by anything yeah. distasteful. And that's where it all comes from. Excellent. All right. Well, I think we're probably running out of time. I should perhaps just as sort of envoy ask you all to perhaps identify yourselves so that the listeners can, you know, at least read back and remember <laughs> whose, and maybe just to spring it on you, say your favourite fact that you discovered for this book. Oh, okay. Okay, so um, my name's James Harkin, and my fact that I really liked, it was kind of one of the first ones we found, and it made me think we definitely got a book in here, and that was that 2,000 bees were stolen in Beesden. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what I liked about it was the fact that there's actually a more interesting, important thing about bees going missing because actually bees are more important. They're going extinct, so they're more valuable, and so people are stealing them around the world and then finding that little kind of silly play on words. Yeah. It's just awesome. So my name's Anna Tashinsky, and my favourite fact that springs to mind is another animal one, actually, but it's that it was discovered this year that female dragonflies avoid male attention by faking their own deaths and that's it <laughs> and almost that's all of them do it yes. 
Exactly. We could learn a thing or two from them. My name's Dan Schreiber. I really liked, it's on the back of our book, that the Bank of England staff gym lockers wouldn't accept the new pound coin (laughs) (laughs) when it was released. I think it does now, but there were were a lot of people not being able to keep their valuables safe. It tells everything about institutions. And I'm Andrew Hunter-Murray, and can I do the one that we didn't manage to squeeze into the book? Yes! There's one fact we didn't manage to get in, and it's that, thanks to the snap general election this year, Parliament had to cancel a parliamentary inquiry into why parliamentary inquiries take so long. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. QI Elves, thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Sarah. Thank Thank you. you.